everyone. This is Kelly Coffey, CEO of City National Bank. I hope you and your families are staying healthy and safe. As we look ahead to the holiday season, I believe this is a chance for us to find moments to be grateful and hopefully share our hope and kindness with family members, colleagues, friends, and maybe even strangers. Veterans Day is just around the corner and it's always a very special day for us at City National Bank. We have a long history of supporting our veterans. As we remain focused on our ongoing commitment to hiring our vets, we continue to support our veterans and military network, which is one of the 11 resource groups we have for City National colleagues. We're also proud to support dozens of veteran organizations, including Operation Hope, Land of the Free Foundation, and of course, US Vets, which leads me to our special guests on the podcast. For today's conversation, I'm joined by three leaders who also have a strong passion and commitment to supporting our veterans. And it is my privilege to introduce you to them. First is Stephen Peck. Steve is the president and CEO of U.S. Vets. He served as a lieutenant in the 1st Marine Division in the Vietnam War. After returning from duty, Steve pursued a career in filmmaking, but his experience in the service and passion for providing care to veterans led him to U.S. Vets. After joining the organization in 1996, he was named president and CEO in 2010 and continues to lead the organization today. Steve, a warm welcome to you and thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Kelly. It's great to be with you. Next is Daryl Vincent, the Chief Operating Officer of U.S. Vets. As a veteran of the United States Marine Corps and the proud father of a 2020 graduate of the United States Military Academy at West Point, congratulations, Daryl has a long-standing commitment to the veteran community. He joined U.S. Vets in 2003, and as COO, Daryl has overseen the expansion of programs across the nation and is responsible for all operations and staff across the organization's 11 service areas. Daryl, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having us. I appreciate being here. And last but certainly not least, we have Jeremy Zimmer. Jeremy's the CEO of United Talent Agency and an important and thoughtful leader in the world of entertainment. Since co-founding UTA in 1991, Jeremy has built the agency into one of the world's major talent and entertainment companies, representing some of the most prominent artists, athletes, authors, influencers, journalists, and many blue chip corporate brands. UTA has become an important partner to U.S. Vets, and Jeremy himself serves as the chair of the Veterans Fund, a council I am proud to serve on with him. Jeremy, welcome, and thank you for joining us in this conversation. Thanks, Kelly. Good seeing everybody. All right, so let's get right to it. And I want to start with you, Steve. I read a quote of yours where you state your mission at U.S. Vets. You said, our job is to engage the enemy at home in the U.S., the enemy of homelessness, disillusionment, and disappointment. So for all of our viewers, I want to start with the problem. How do so many of our veterans come back from active duty and become homeless? Uh, the veterans are coming back from uh, the combat zone, uh, from deployments uh, abroad, really uh, experience the same issues that other homeless people do. Uh, poverty and lack of opportunity are the main causes of homelessness. Let's uh, face that. But uh, in addition to that, uh, other veterans face uh, other issues. So they've been uh, dislocated. Uh, maybe they land in a city that they don't know. They, maybe they've uh, run from home. A, a lot of veterans uh, join the military, uh, uh, soldiers join the military to lift themselves out of poverty. Uh, so they serve uh, for two or three years. They come back. Uh, maybe they go back to the same neighborhood they grew up in. Uh, they carry those, those childhood deficits uh, with them. Additionally, if they've been in combat, uh, they could be suffering from post-traumatic stress. Uh, uh, they maybe still didn't go to uh, college, so there's a lack of education there. Uh, among our women veterans, uh, sadly, there is a disproportionate amount of 
uh, sexual uh, assault and sexual trauma in the military, and they come back with that. Uh, so they're fighting all these things as they try to uh, re-enter the society, as they try to find a new, uh, find a job, uh, find housing, and perhaps a strange city. So uh, all of those things conspire to lead uh, some of them uh, to homelessness. And and I have to say that's a minority, right? The vast majority of come back, uh, uh, soldiers come back. They rejoin their communities. Uh, they become leaders in their communities. But there is that percentage uh, that uh, falls into homelessness. That's certainly a complicated issue. So, Daryl, I'd like to go to you next. Your core mission as an organization is essentially to end veteran homelessness. And as someone who oversees operations on a local and national level, how do you continue to make progress? Because we know this isn't a problem that can be solved overnight. Sure, it's a, definitely a systematic and an issue. And I think everyone has a responsibility to join in this. It's not a governmental problem, a private sector problem, a nonprofit problem. It's a human problem. And the reality is that we're not gonna build our way out of this problem. We're not gonna be able to build housing everywhere and house everyone. It takes a universal approach of understanding as Steve pointed out with poverty and lack of affordable housing. We have to start tackling, tackling these things from a legislative, programmatic and a community viewpoint of we have to be okay with the fact that we have to develop housing for veterans and homeless to live in that is affordable and that can also address their needs. So what we take the approach of is taking one step at a time in each one of our communities and creating this type of housing and getting involved with other private sectors that wanna help us do that. So it's a long-term approach, but it is something that's systematic and that can happen if we're all dedicated to it because no one person is more important than the other, just a different delegation of duty. Well said. Jeremy, I definitely wanna get your thoughts and we're gonna talk a little later about the Veterans Fund, which you chair. But first, what moved you to get involved with U.S. Vets and this and this whole issue of veteran homelessness? Well, really, it was a it's it's been a process of really getting to know vets and participate with vets for a number of years. We've had an annual Thanksgiving function that we've done in conjunction with U.S. Vets, either at the VA or at the U.S. Vets facility in Inglewood, where we've gotten to serve Thanksgiving lunch to vets. And through that time, we've gotten to know Steve and Laney and really gotten to know the organization and understood how dedicated they are to the mission of, of homeless vets and, and particularly homeless vets in LA, which is you know our where our headquarters is. So the more we became involved, the more we saw the work they were doing, the more inspired we were to try to help, not just on Thanksgiving, which is a great event for our colleagues and they love it, but to really see if we could make a more permanent and lasting contribution. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's an extremely challenging year for so many different reasons and, you know, which makes this issue even more complicated. But I, I want to start with the pandemic and talk a little bit about how the pandemic has impacted the veteran homelessness population and, and what adjustments that you've had to make to continue to provide support. So Daryl, maybe you're the right place to start for this. Sure. Obviously, when March came and it, our world turned upside down of, of turning in terms of this pandemic and how did it affect not only the community abroad, but also the homeless individuals that obviously when you're marginalized or have more needs, it can even get worse when you have a pandemic such as this. And we had to also take into account of the staff that's serving and that sometimes it gets forgotten when we talk about this serving the veterans. So there's, you know, we're a 24-7 residential facility that provides care around the clock. So we had a high propensity to have communal spread when this thing started. Like, how do you contain this? How do you make sure people stay safe? 
we immediately went into safety mode. And the first thing we did was say, we're going to establish essential duties. We chose not to term essential staff. We believe all our staff is essential. So we said essential duties, all the staff we're going to pull together to just do the essential duties we have to do so they can work at home one week and come in next office the next week. That way, if we did have some a spread, another team was on the bench ready to go. Some sites had five teams, some sites had two teams, depending on the size of the site. We are proud to say that only 1% of over the 5,000 veterans that are under our care have been exposed and only 15 of the five, or close to 500 staff members we have were ever exposed and none of that was done at work. So we're lucky to say that we prepared and we just basically had to implement all the protocols that were done, testing, as well as the CDC guidelines of placing six feet distance, social distancing, having masks, all the things you can imagine, we had to do that across the campuses. And we chose to make sure that we do that and now move into what we call evolving engagement, which means we're gonna to continue to serve, but now we have to do it in a safe manner. And that just meant doing what we're doing now, doing more Zoom, telehealth, working with veterans from a distance, but still providing food, shelter, and making sure that they're getting their needs met. It's definitely been difficult, but I cannot be prouder of the staff at US Vets that has made this happen. And we have kept the spread down amongst our community across the nation. And we're very proud of that. That's incredible that you, you should be. Uh, Stephen, anything to, to add? Well, we've experienced some drop in our communal living situations. And we have transitional housing where there are two or three, two or, two or three veterans to a room. And we have permanent housing where there are single rooms. Uh, some veterans simply don't want to come off the street and go into a room with uh, one or two other veterans. So there has been some drop off there. We're really, we talked the last week, how do we uh, reach out to them to tell them how safe uh, our facilities are and how we can help them get through this uh, crisis. The uh, isolation this is, that this is causing uh, uh, among homeless veterans and uh, veterans with uh, emotional issues uh, is very challenging and we don't want them to be out there alone. As Daryl said, we've really dramatically increased our ability to provide services through telehealth, uh, not only to the veterans within our uh, residential sites, but out in the community. So we're really doing everything that's possible at this point and just uh, hoping uh, that uh, at the end of this, uh, we'll be prepared to help the uh, thousands of veterans who have lost their jobs. We're guessing that thousands more will lose their homes. So uh, we're doing a lot of advocacy to help prepare us for that. That's, that's, uh, that's ex excellent. So, you know, the pandemic has obviously been one of the main events that happened this year, but it hasn't been the only one. 2020 has been when giving us a tremendous amount to, um, to react to. And, and the other conversation that's been really sweeping the nation has become a global movement. And it's the, the fight against systemic racism and the fight for social equity. And Daryl, I watched a video you recorded just weeks after the George, George Floyd was killed while in police custody. And for those of you who hadn't seen it, I'd urge you to look it up and take a listen because there's so many powerful messages in it. But Daryl, I wanted to focus on one message of social equity and specifically with the veteran population. So many people decide to serve for our country as a way to get out of their current situation. It can be a way to establish a career, gain new and valuable experiences. And then when their service is completed, our veterans have to come back and reintegrate in society. But what a lot of people don't realize is that if you have inequities when you leave to serve your country, you return to society after your service with those same inequities. And they don't go away. Mm -hmm. and so talk a little bit about why that is, is an important issue to tackle and why is understanding the difference between equity and equality really important? It's a very important distinction. 
Uh, equality, treat everyone the same. We all can understand that equity is treat people differently depending on their need. And obviously we know that there's more of a need for marginalized, discriminate people that have been discriminated against, bias and historical racism that goes on across our country, unfortunately, that now we have a name to. Now there's something we can attach it to and say, this is going on and how do we address it? And equity is addressing those needs. We can no longer say we stand up for our veterans and not stand up against the social inequities they face when they come out of the military, going into the military and the things they come back with. So while we're not saying it's any one person's fault or fault or group's fault, it is everyone's responsibility to address that. And when we say addressing equity, we're giving access and opportunity. Access and opportunity are for those that do not have those access and opportunity due to whatever neighborhood or social economic background or educational background that they didn't have access to. A lot of people going into the military, when I went in, when other people went in, even now, it's a way to get out of the neighborhood is where you're going and you're gonna learn some things. And while you're in there, for the most part, there is some equality. I'm not saying there's not issues in there, but for the most part, you come out, you go back to the same neighborhood that you lived in. And how do you get that support? Steve, myself, we're lucky to have family support, education, and move on. Not everyone has that. And it's our job to make sure that we create an equal opportunity and access. And I think when we hear equity, people need to hear equity means equal opportunity and access. And we can no longer just say historical and systematic racism, discrimination, and bias does not exist. First, we have to acknowledge it without any ambiguity, and then we can address it. And we're saying that it takes everybody coming together. It's not one group or another group, it's everyone. And we need allies to make that happen. And equity will simply mean, let's make sure that the people don't have as enough resources, we give them those resources. And that means making sure that we have educational route, training routes and equal opportunity for them to have access to the education and training that they can get. Unfortunately, sometimes that doesn't happen in the more socioeconomic impoverished neighborhoods that are marginalized. Over half of the homeless veterans that exist with us are of color. And that's extremely disproportionate to the total amount of veterans. And that's not by accident. We have to be able to acknowledge that first, then we can address it. I think that's such an important point, acknowledging it. It, uh, it seems like the country is maybe starting to finally acknowledge it. And, you know, and Steve, as an organization that provides care for veterans of all colors, gender, socioeconomic status, as you think about acknowledging it, why was it so important for US vets to certainly take a stance on this moment? Give us some of your impressions. So uh, our, our armed forces uh, fight for the values we aspire to. And uh, those values uh, do not disappear once we come back. We fight uh, in Vietnam, I fought side by side uh, with uh, uh, soldiers uh, and with Marines of uh, every uh, race and uh, the various nationalities. So we simply can't abandon those values once we come back. Uh, our mission is to serve veterans with respect and dignity. That means all veterans uh, with respect and dignity and, uh, and lift them up and uh, re reintegrate them back into the community. We can't, we can't pick and choose. We are loyal to all veterans. And it is important that people know that, uh, that we say that that we come out in front and, uh, and say that publicly so that people understand uh, the values uh, that we stand for and the values that uh, our armed forces have fought for. It's really important because I think in many ways, 
companies haven't necessarily felt as comfortable speaking out on it, but that that has certainly changed. And Jeremy, you've been outspoken eloquently so on the importance of social equity and ending systemic racism. And so as a leader of, of a very diverse organization, talk about why it's been important to you and UTA to speak out and, and, and be a part of this conversation. I think part of creating the, the, first of all, creating the culture of an organization is is having a set of values about who you are and what you stand for that your colleagues can rally around and, and associate with and feel like they're a part of something that they're they're aligned with the values that the company is aligned with. So I think it's important culture, you know, for the culture of the organization to have that. And then beyond that, you also have, you know, you have clients and clients who are artists and they want to feel that the company they're associated with is aware of and uh, aligned with what's important to them. And, and, you know, no surprise, many, many of our artists and athletes and, you know, across the board are really horrified by what's going on in the country today and by the state of, of racial equality and, and racial injustice. And, and I think that, that it's important for us to stand with our clients and to stand with our colleagues and to, to not sort of hide behind a corporate veneer of appropriateness and, and be out in front and talk about what we as people stand for, what's important to us, the kind of uh, company we wanna be, the kind of country we wanna live in the, and the kind of colleagues that we wanna support. It wasn't, a hard, it wasn't a hard decision. It's not like we all fought against our nature. We really went with our nature mm-hmm. and, and supported uh, what we believe in. And I think it, in this t- day and age, you know, with a uh, world being such a strange place. And uh, I think people, it's so easy to feel disassociated and not a part of. And I think today people look to their company as, as something they can believe in and, and connect to in a weird way, the way people used to believe in their country or believe in their religion, since those institutions are being questioned so regularly now, I think people are looking to their companies to have a different, to provide that sense of community in a way. So it, it just felt like the right thing to do. That's great. I, I, I certainly saw it at City National where you know, we spoke out and I think it is important for your culture, people to understand the type of company you are, what you believe. And what I found, and you may have found the same, is it opened up a whole dialogue in City National that was incredibly important to, to many of us and also really excellent to hear feedback and, and just things that people were struggling with that I think um, was really a positive for, for us and then, and then for our clients too. So I, I think it, it was, it's really good that we're moving in that direction and that companies are taking responsibility to speak out. Um, now I wanna to transition to a campaign that both Jeremy and I are intimately familiar with, the Veterans Fund. Jeremy, can you talk about what it is, what the Veterans Fund is and what your role is as, as chair of the campaign? Well, the, the Veterans Fund is a group of, of companies and people who've come together to help fund what will be a great project for uh, homeless vets to provide housing here on the west side of Los Angeles. There's this amazing facility or this amazing piece of land that is at this moment very sadly underdeveloped. And it is for the purposes of, of veterans, yet it is it is in dire need of redevelopment and uh, 
construction and nurturing. And so we have come together to raise money to help create that plan and that development so that then the funds that are available for construction will be able to be utilized. And that's what we've come together to do. And, you know, it's a perfect alignment of so many different elements of the, of Los Angeles, which is known for the entertainment community, but also as a great, you know, a number of great businesses and people have really come together to support this initiative. It's such a big opportunity. I know as soon as you mentioned it to me, as a newcomer to LA, I had driven by it so many times and it's just, a, it's an incredible opportunity to do something that really makes a difference here. And it's a massive campaign. It's so many powerful names will come to the table to get involved, as you said, and come together. So as we continue to raise funds, what role can everybody watching this play? Jeremy, if you were to uh, give the pitch of, of what somebody should contribute and, and what should they do? Well, actually, I'll turn that over to Steve. I think, Steve, you'll have a better sense of what everyone watching this can do other than obviously write checks, which is always a great thing. Always, always helpful. Always a good thing. <laughs> uh, uh, US Vets is the tip of the spear, so to speak. We are the ones day to day uh, getting veterans off the street, literally every day. Uh, we're now uh, building housing. We're now creating uh, programs to help uh, prevent veterans from becoming homeless. Uh, but we cannot do that alone, obviously. We have to engage the community. Uh, we have to engage many different uh, entities, both government and private. And we simply don't have uh, the influence to do all the things that we need to do. So uh, that Jeremy has taken the lead and, uh, and, and brought the City National Bank in. Uh, Home Depot is a big supporter. Mayor Gossetti uh, is on uh, our veterans fund. We need all of those powerful players to bring the community uh, into the solution to this problem. Uh, we're gonna be building 1600 units of housing, which will have a significant impact on the homeless uh, veteran population in Los Angeles. It is a huge undertaking. Uh, there's not a reason in the world why we shouldn't do it, uh, but we will need the community uh, behind us. And that's really what the Veterans Fund does. Fantastic. And it's, and so anybody call any one of us to get involved. It is a, it is really an incredible opportunity. I'm really excited to be part of it, as are all my colleagues at City National Bank. Uh, so to close this conversation out today, I want to look ahead to Veterans Day, which is now just around the corner. It's always a special day for, for me and all of us to show our gratitude and remember our veterans, all of our fallen heroes. So I'd love to ask each of you how you're going to spend Veterans Day and what do you typically do to celebrate all of our, all of our vets? Maybe we start with you, Steve. Uh, I uh, quite often will be making a speech on Veterans Day uh, to remind the community of the service and sacrifice uh, of our veterans. Um, we have uh, either uh, a lunch or a dinner at all of our sites. So we wanna make sure to celebrate them. A lot of these veterans have been through hard times, but we want them to know that uh, we appreciate their service. Uh, and, and that is a uh, that at the core, uh, they are uh, veterans, they, uh, and they are honorable people, and we are reminding of that and leading them back to that, uh, to that place in their life. Um, uh, but you're speaking to a Marine, and I have to say that the Veterans Day is the day after the Marine Corps birthday. Um, <laughs> we are 245 years old uh, on November 10th. Uh, so oh, wow. You're going to celebrate that, too. You have a double celebration. Exactly. I like it. Daryl, what are you going to do? Well, typically, and Steve pointed that out, right? Exactly what I was going to say. Typically, at every site, we celebrate each birthday of each armed forces. 
And Veterans Day is obviously the culmination of that, but we are also honored that on November 10th, we'll celebrate the Marine Corps birthday. Uh, and we, we both are very proud of that. And usually at the, as Steve pointed out, at each one of the sites, we do a, some type of luncheon, barbecue, some type of celebration, gift giving. And obviously with the pandemic, we have to do it more in a safe manner now, but uh, we are still allowed to engage. We're moving our engagement up to make sure we do it in a safe way. I live only 15 minutes away from our site. I go to the site normally and do a speech. We serve the veterans brunch. In this case, it will probably be, it'll be in their rooms versus going out in their communal environment, give a speech, give them the acknowledgement that they deserve. And I cannot tell you how much that goes such a long way when people feel like they recognize them because they sometimes they feel totally forgotten uh, when they come home from that service. So the fact that they can be here is and get that celebration is great. So each one of our sites will do that location and I will be participating in the, one of the locations that I'm at to make sure that I can give them that acknowledgement and recognize their service to their country, no matter what armed forces they served in. Sounds like a, uh, a fun celebration. Jeremy, anything fun planned for you? I don't know if it's fun, but uh, historically what we've done, actually I haven't checked in to see if it's happening this year, is go to the uh, to the Veterans Cemetery over there on Sepulveda and uh, they have a flag ceremony where you put flags at the different gravestones. So I was gonna participate in that. I don't even know if it's happening this year and I'll, I'll find out, but that's historically what we've done. Find out and let me know. That would be a, new, a great new tradition for me to set in LA. Well, I, I would like to thank all of you for joining today. This is an important topic. It's it's really complicated, but we do have, with this specific campaign, something that can be really impactful that people can help that will make a big difference in the lives of so many vets, particularly here in our hometown of LA. So um, Steve, Daryl, Jeremy, thank you for joining me today. And I really appreciate it. And have a great Veterans Day. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks, Thanks for bringing us all together. Steve, Daryl, good to see you guys. Great to see you. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you for listening to the Conversations podcast. For more information on U.S. Vets and the Veterans Fund, please visit usvets.org.